25 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Zelma. And we are going to jump right into our shout out segment. Yes. Uh, first, just wanted to say that my voice sounds, someone told me my voice sounds mature, but uh, I lo- actually lost my voice practicing for a presentation, which yeah. sounds so lame because no, it could, it's commitment. but it could be like, you know, I went to a concert. It's like, no, I, I just presented my presentation too many yeah. times. So that's why my voice sounds different. We also have baby Fred today for the Ooh. season finale. So if you hear baby noises, that's him. Um, yeah, we just wanted to give you a reminder. Today is the final episode of season two. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we'll definitely let you know when we um, start our next season. We're just going to take a breather, get some new ideas, um, and we'll touch base on that at the end of this episode. But just wanted to give you a preview. So starting off with our shout out, our first shout out goes to uh, both Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff. So if you haven't seen this video, um, there's this video uh, circulating about an exchange between Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff, who are two tennis players. Coco is actually 15 and Naomi's 21. So they're both pretty young. However, this was after the match, but the matches between Naomi and Coco, in which Coco lost. Keep in mind, Naomi is the defending champion, and she's the number one ranked player in the world. So it's not like it was completely, you know, uh, she should be completely disappointed in herself. But as any good athlete is, Coco was overcome with emotion after she lost. However, as Coco was crying and putting her stuff away, Naomi approached her and told her that she wanted her to join her post-show interview. Coco um, was kind of saying, like, no, I'm just going to cry. And Naomi's like, no, the people are here for you. Because everyone was actually chanting Coco, 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 um, because she's the American. And um, so she joined her for the post uh the post-match interview. And it was just really great because there was a moment where Naomi got emotional talking about how she remembered seeing Coco and her family at different, like, um, training facilities and how happy it made her to know that they both made, made it. And so I just thought it was really nice. It's a kind of a moment of women empowering one another. And I think it just really shows the discipline of athletes where you can be super competitive during the game or during a match, um, but afterwards can be super chill with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really is a, that can sh- like show us a lot, not only about athletes, but about people. I think sometimes it's hard not to compare yourself to other people or to think that you see someone and you have to measure up like, oh, by 30, this person had this. Oh, this person's going for the same job as me. Oh, this person has this many publications and I don't. But I think that there can be a moment where you can be competitive, but also just like empowering and supportive of one another. So I thought that was really great. And our next shout out goes to Lizzo um, for her number one song, her now number one song, Truth Hurts, which I've been jamming on repeat because it's just so great. She's so 
like just hella inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way yeah. around. Like her personality is amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's super down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so her song became number one after two years, two years after its release, which in itself is a lesson, like keep persevering. Yeah. Um, and she became the first black woman in 2019 to have a number one hit. And I think only like five black women in the history have ever had a number one song, the most recent being Cardi B. So shout out to Lizzo. Uh, She is super inspiring. She always talks about how she's like the underdog. Um, She promotes um, uh, body positivity. And she just really is open about her journey, talking about how a couple years ago, no one really thought that she was going to amount to anything and that she even doubted herself. And now she has the number one song and she performed in MTV and people are asking to do collaborations with her. So it just really shows you like you have to believe in yourself and then other people will believe in you. I mean, even if they don't like always believing in yourself because, you know, you should be your own number one fan. So shout out to Lizzo uh, for reaching this milestone. Super happy for her. And if you haven't heard her song, Truth Hurts, I'm sure you have, but if you're not aware that that's her, go ahead and listen to it and watch the music video because it's hilarious. And she just she talks about how much work she put into it. So shout out to her too. Yeah, and I, I, I think um, Lizzo is kind of a testament to how much your energy uh, can speak for you. And I think really Corral, like, a crowd and supporter like support for your craft and all of that because I've heard so much about um so much negativity about like a lot of celebrities who you know it's like you might love their music or you might love their 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 craft or their art or whatever what they produce but then they're just kind of like shitty humans um but I've heard nothing but good things about Lizzo from just any and everybody and yeah. like when she's on stage and she's performing and stuff like or doing interviews like you can sense that she has just amazing energy and it it's like the kind of energy that draws you to her and you you know you want to support her because yeah. you're like she's an awesome person yeah yeah um so that's important too is like even i mean in these last couple years like well or whatever years while she's been grinding like you don't see that taking a toll on her it's like nah like i know i'm the shit and i'm gonna keep pushing um okay so our next shout out kind of sort of i i was debating whether or not to put this in the in the know or the shout out segment but uh, I guess for now, it'll be in the shout-out. So both Walmart and Kroger um, have announced the end of open carry in their stores. Um, Walmart will also no longer be selling ammunition for handguns and military-style rifles. Um, and this is as of yesterday. Um, and then also in a written statement, Kroger, um, who apparently is the nation's largest um, grocery store chain i didn't know that oh i didn't know that either yeah but they said um we are also joining those encouraging uh we are also joining those encouraging our elected leaders to pass laws that will strengthen background checks and remove weapons from those who have been found to post a risk for violence um and i think that that statement in and of itself is a big deal you know and it's like super obviously it's like super political right but considering the fact that as of september 1st there have been um more mass shootings in the country than there have been days in the year is That's ridiculous so there have been 283 mass shootings in the us and so far there have only been 248 days in the year 
uh, making 2019 the first year to average more than one mass shooting per day. Like, this is the country that we live in, you know? And so I, I'm glad that we're seeing these grocery store changes, these grocery store chains finally taking a stance because that's what it's going to take to really um, push sadly to push politicians to buckle down as well it should be the other way around but i mean this is the way that it works in a capitalistic society womp womp huh freddie womp womp um and then our last shout out last but certainly not least goes to beyonce because today is her born day so happy bay day to everyone um and yeah i mean on this day greatness uh was birthed yeah, and no now, shout out to her too. Yeah, yeah, she's you know she's I mean the the biggest musician in the world. So, um, and now we will transition into our in the know segment. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so now for our in the know segment. Yes, and so our first in the know story is about. It's basically about how the Amazon rainforest is on fire. Mm. I mean, I read an article about it because I was like, I mean, I know that's bad, but I didn't know how bad it was. I mean, apparently it hasn't been on, it's been on fire a couple of times. But forest, so I was reading this article that said that forest fires are actually pretty common in the Amazon during the dry season, which runs from July to October. Um, They can be caused by naturally occurring events such as lightning strikes, But this year, most are believed to have been started by farmers and loggers clearing land for crops or grazing. Activists say the anti-environmental rhetoric of Brazilian President Bolsonaro, who has been compared to Trump, has encouraged such tree-clearing activities since he came into power in January. In response to the criticism at home and abroad, because as you can imagine, a lot of people were upset that the Amazon was on fire due to unnatural causes, um, he announced that he was banning setting fires to clear land for a good 60 days. The fires are emitting large amounts of smoke and carbon into the air, and since the Amazon is home to about million species of plants and animals and one million indigenous people, it is crucial to regulating global warming with its forests observing millions of tons of carbon every year. The Brazilian president, when people told him that he should care about the Amazon forest being on fire because this very reason that it absorbs so much of the carbon um, that is dispersed in the air of, of the world, he was kind of like, it's not Brazil's responsibility to take care of the world, which is such a Trump-like thing to say. Um, it made me sad thinking about the animals, the um, unbalance there's going to be in the ecosystem, the indigenous people who rely on the Amazon rainforest, and the fact that this was caused because people are just trying to clear land for cattle, which is probably due to like the consumption of meat because that, that has been outsourced, which is sad because I was reading that... Um, once they clear the land for the cattle, the cattle pretty much destroy the land by like stomping on it, eating it, and it can't be used. So like they're clearing land, and the land is going to be like you. Won't, we won't be able to allow it to grow back to what it was, and unfortunately, a large part of that is like the meat consumption. It's meat consumption. So there's like a lot of guilt that I felt in being like, oh, like I'm being critical, but I'm also yeah, I'm also part of this by demanding, you know, beef 
so much. But I think that this just kind of shows you that the rhetoric that Donald Trump has and like our country first is super dangerous. And so it's not just like, a, oh, well, this is our country. This is, you know, Donald Trump is our problem. It's like this is what happens when he influences other world leaders. Um, so, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, I'm glad he was able to at least feel some sort of, he had like he had to make some sort of statement or do something um, due to the criticism. He was like he cares about the criticism people were making, but it, he did only set this for sixty days. So we'll see. Hopefully, the damage isn't irreversible. It just makes me really sad how much we're fucking up this planet. But you know, at least like for now, for the next two months, we won't be able to set any more fires. Yeah, I was hearing that, and I, I don't know if this is true, if this is, like, conspiracy-type stuff, but that um, they're wanting to, they've been wanting to cut into the Amazon for a long time and, like, develop infrastructure and all that, and not necessarily that, um, even though I did hear that these fires could have potentially, it could have been arson, but um, that they are in a hurry to put the fires out because mm-hmm. then it would clear, you know, yeah. like, debris and stuff like that so that they could build on it i mean that i would not be surprised if that was true so shady like i don't understand why this is not protected um, i know like Like, yeah they're you know it it's definitely like a historical cultural yeah i mean if the government doesn't care then it just makes it really hard for other countries to be like hey we're going to dictate what you should do yep which is super frustrating yeah, because then, I mean, do we have that right, or is that, yeah, like, yeah. kind of patriarchal? Because people could come in and be like, hey, yeah. U.S., you're not going to have guns anymore because we're just tired of seeing yeah, people right? being murdered. We should sweep on our own front porch. Yeah. And our next story I thought was, like, super weird and super scary um, because my mom used to tell me stuff like this about how if you don't eat well, like, mm-hmm. really bad stuff will happen. So apparently, a teenage boy in the UK goes blind after existing on Pringles, white bread, and French fries. Scientists from the University of Bristol examined the case of a young patient whose extremely picky eating led him to blindness and have warned of the dangers of a poor diet. Apparently, his vision had worsened to the point of blindness by 17 years of age, and doctors identified vitamin B12 deficiency, low copper, and selenium levels, a high zinc level, reduced vitamin D levels, and bone level density, according to a statement from the University of Bristol. By this stage, vision damage was permanent, so he's going to be like, so this is irreversible for him. Researchers from Bristol Medical School and the Bristol Eye Hospital examined the case and concluded that the patient suffered a nutritional optic neuropathy, Mm. a dysfunction of the optic nerve. So because he was eating really trashy food, he caused irreversible damage on his health, and he's only a teenager. So there you go, people. When your parents tell you, you you know, if you eat French fries every day, you're going to go blind, that is actually technically true. Yeah. I remember there was a girl who, oh, my God. I mean, there are just so many things. Like, I've had family members who um, had to have, like, be rushed to the hospital, and I think one had surgery because she was, eating so many um, hot fries or uh, Takis or something Mm. like that. So that can cause a lot of issues to your digestive system. Um, I remember there was one girl that was only eating McDonald's French fries and chicken nuggets for a long time. And then she had a lot of health. Like, she was basically uh, lacking every major mineral that her body needed. 
like all of them. She was getting no mineral, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, shame on these. I mean, shame on these kids and their and parents. The parents. Yeah, because but I could imagine that once your kid gets a certain age, like you don't feel it's like all right, you're refusing to eat anything. Am I gonna let you starve? Now, I would say for black parents, they'd be like, yeah, you're gonna starve unless you eat the food that I'm giving you. But yeah. if you short of that, like, what do you do? How do you force your kid to eat? They get hungry enough to eat. I bet you, if you don't give, if you yeah. don't let them have anything else, they'll get hungry enough to and say, you don't come out of your room until you eat this plate. Yeah. They'll eat it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's I shame. mean, it's easy to criticize, and I'm sure that their parents feel like shit. Yeah. But lesson learned to everyone else. Yeah, especially blindness. Like, yeah, you, yeah, that's seriously like. Like, you could have, yeah, you should have punished your kid over, you know, whatever. Um, okay, and then our last in the no topic, I just wanted to kind of, I'm sure that it's on everybody's radars, but talk a little bit about Hurricane Dorian, which is still active, um, and as of now, it has destroyed much of the Bahamas. Um, so it has, according to CNN, wreaked havoc in the Bahamas, and um, they're only now starting to get a sense of the extent of the destruction. Um, so Nico Gibson, it, who is the founder and owner of Bahamas Evac um, Services in Nassau, spoke to CNN shortly after uh, returning from Abacos, where he's been assisting in evacuation and rescue operations. And so he says everybody's trying to do the best that they can. Um, problem is the winds and the weather that has been a hazard for traffic to get in and out of Abaco. So he praised the authorities for their tireless work and said that um, most of the runways were still unusable with only one operating in the south. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the um, – this the sad part, I think, is that a lot of the uh, parts of the Caribbean that are frequented by tourists are the ones that get uh, fixed up the fastest usually. Um, so yeah. – you know, a lot of the resorts and, like, commercial areas, those will be um, reconstructed really quickly. It's, like, further inland where you see, like, uh, damage still persisting after years and years and years. Um, I don't know. It's so it, – like, with this climate change and stuff, it's like, what, what are people to do? Because hurricanes are not – this extreme weather isn't going to stop. Yeah. Um, but they don't have, like, the resources or the infrastructure to, kind of, to like, you know, protect themselves against this damage. So I don't – I don't know. Yeah, no, it's super sad. I saw videos of people's homes and just how scary it is and just it, every year it seems to be yeah. getting worse. It's getting worse and worse. Like, I, I feel like since Katrina there's been, like, a major hurricane every year. And, yeah, I mean, we don't – like Zelma kind of already said when she was talking about the Amazon, like we've done so much damage to the, the like the earth that I feel like a lot of it is probably irreversible, but I would hope that we would put some effort forth to like see what we can do, if anything. Um, but yeah, that wraps up our In the Know segment, and now we'll jump into our What's Being Slept On segment. So I strongly suggest that you wake the fuck up. Okay, so 
So now for our What's Being Slept On segment. Um, so Selma and I both had birthdays just passed recently. Woohoo! Virgo season, yeah. Virgo nation, all of that, all of that. And Selma's birthday was on August 28th, and mine was um, yesterday, September 3rd. And so because we both recently um, just came upon new ages – and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what the feels related to that have been. Um, but there comes a time, well, at least I feel like for me and some things that I've heard kind of from friends, is that you get to a point um, in your 20s uh, or I guess in age in general where you're kind of like not as excited. Maybe you feel a little bit of weariness or anxiety because you're getting older and you may or may not be at the place um, – that you had expected to be in your life at that point. So I was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit about that, um, what it's like to be at this age and kind of like getting older. So I turned 28 and Zelma hit the big dirty 30. And yeah, just some of our thoughts and feels about that. Um, And so I had come across this article or this blog post titled, Why Are Late 20s Very Depressing? And so 20s, it says 20s, a decade of life when everything in life is in chaos. Um, and then she has an asterisk. This thought is purely subjective, although, um, and this is in her voice, I have observed a lot of people around me saying 20s is often confusing and rather lonely, a point of time where we are not stable in all aspects, mentally, socially, emotionally, financially, etc. When we get our first jobs and move into our own apartments, we're going in alone, usually for the first time. It can be thrilling as well as tormenting, can be easily sufficed as midlife crisis. 20s can be challenging years of life, as well as the best time of your life, often considered as a trial and error time period. There are vast differences between a person at 20 years old versus 29 years old. Life unfolds many times in many different directions at a time. We're considered too old for some things, as well as too young for many. So some of the things that she lists as kind of being uh, sort of difficult about the 20s is um, so the things that sort of happen to your friendships as you enter new phases of life. So going from college to the quote unquote real world um, or transitioning in and out of school or different jobs, maybe moving states, um, having no career or like starting out on a new career. So this is new kind of uncharted territory potentially in your early 20s life or the discovery that life is not easy so during your teenage years or transitioning from your parents kind of taking care of you to um, into a life of independence you discover that yeah life is not easy being a kid was a lot more fun than you realized at the time (laughs) and then nobody respects us so I would say that um, I think that what she she doesn't really elaborate a whole bunch but I think that you know, what this sort of speaks to is kind of being in between how she referenced earlier. So being at a place where you're kind of too old for certain things, but then also too young for a lot of things. So folks that are, you know, in their 30s plus, you might still be referred to as a baby or like you're not taken very seriously. And I think that this is also true if you haven't had a kid yet, because I've noticed that um, people who are in their 20s but have children are treated with, I think, a lot more respect than people who don't. 
And then also the discovery that maybe your college accomplishments aren't as useful as you may have been led to believe. Uh, so coming to the realization that you may not have as much to offer uh, the world as you thought you might after graduating. And then savings. So finances are a big thing. Um, you know, you're, I think that also we're, we're at a place, you know, in time where our economy is really shoddy, but you also need a lot to like, say, apply for um, apartments, say, get a, get a car, um, I don't know, move. Like there are a lot of things that require um, a good a good bit of savings that you may not have yet because maybe you just graduated college, uh, maybe you're doing an entry level sort of thing that doesn't pay a whole bunch, maybe you're in grad school, <laughs> you know, there there's a ton. Um, also, loving yourself can be hard. So it is easy to fall into the trap of kind of just constantly criticizing yourself um, being too hard on yourself, being overly reflexive, but not celebrating the things that you have accomplished. And I think that a lot of that is comes from structure. You know, so one thing that I've heard a lot of friends who are applying for jobs kind of say is that they have the, de- the, the credentials, but not enough experience to qualify for certain jobs. So that can make you beat up on yourself and make you feel like you don't have you know what you don't have what it takes to be uh, a serious adult um relationships romantic relationships friendships all of that stuff yeah it can make you crazy so that can be really difficult and or make the 20s kind of difficult um and then constantly comparing ourselves to others uh i think that that's probably something that comes along with being in your 20s and you're trying to figure yourself out but then also we have like this added layer of social media with our generation Mm -hmm. that makes it really difficult (laughs) to avoid doing that uh, because you're constantly seeing what it looks like other people are doing how they're you know how successful they are what they're accomplishing the places that they're going in the world and blah 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 blah. and maybe you aren't doing those same things and you might again um going back to the loving yourself is hard part beat up on yourself you might feel less accomplished or whatever and then lastly trying new things and then being bad at them (laughs) so the 20s is full of trying new things and discovering potentially new talents that you have or new talents that you thought or talents that you thought you had but you don't or like different skills and things like that so we're it's really about like testing the waters you know so testing what you yourself can do testing the bounds of like your relationships other people's patience maybe your parents patience just you know tons of stuff and then the at the end of this blog post there's a tweet that says being in your 20s is like playing a video game where you skip the tutorial and you just kind of jump in and sort of run around with no idea how anything i would say that i can relate to that tweet um so zelma and i are going to uh kind of bounce some ideas off of each other and talk about our own experiences and we're going to start out by talking about what we expected our 20s to be. So I I think that maybe when, I don't know about you, Z, would you say that as a teenager you thought about your 20s and, like, how amazing it was going to be? And you yeah, I thought it was to... going to be so much fun. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? why did you think that? And like, where well, did you... I think because I didn't, like, I would just watch TV and I didn't realize, oh, but when you're broke, 
and you live in a you know post recession world and you have a lot of college debt mm. and your family still my you know my mom still needed financial help and so it was just a lot of additional things that may you know I hear some people talk about like my partner when he talks about his 20s I'm like that sounds fun like he went to a bunch of trips he didn't even have to do his laundry you know his parents paid for him to have a laundry service wow. he just talked about how he lived with friends at a frat house and all he had to do was like go to class and how he has these crazy stories and he went to India and went backpacking Did and he? I yeah and yeah. I was just like Man, that it would be like that's how I envisioned my twenties being. But then you realize, oh well, when you don't have those resources, what you thought your twenties would be ended up being working two jobs to pay for school, then going to grad school. So I think that if I could, if I could go back, I would just, <laughs> you know, force myself because I don't think that like I should have, you know at least taken, had some fun. Like, I don't need to go to India to have a great time, but I should have saved and gone to Mexico. Like, I should have, with my friends, like, made more of an effort instead of going drinking every day after work and spending my money on, like, $13 drinks. Maybe save that to take one, you know, even a, tr a cruise trip to, like, Cozumel, which is only a couple hundred dollars, which I definitely had spent more on that, on other stuff. You know, if I could go into my 20s, I would have allowed myself to have more fun because I think I had too much responsibility. And I was already laser focused on grad school. Like I knew I was going to go to college, then go to grad school and then get my Ph.D. And so I, I, I think that my 20s ended up not being a lot of fun. And what a lot of people told me is like when you're in grad school, your 30s become your 20s. So like you're be, you finally become financially stable in your 30s, you get a job, you're able to you have a lot more flexibility in your job than other people do. So I'm kind of looking for I hope that that's true and looking forward to that for my 30s that I might be able to make up for some of the lost time I had. But that's one thing I regret is I think I was wanting my 20s to finish so fast so that I could graduate that I didn't have time to like stop and smell the roses. So it's just kind of like, oh wow, I, I just want to be done with school. Not realizing, oh okay, well by the time I'm done with school, I will have passed my 20s and I feel like my 20s is just one big blur of papers and exams and courses. And you know, at the end I'll, I'll have a PhD, which will be great. But I also wish that, you know, I could have had more memories of just like doing stuff being a little bit more selfish so yeah. that that's what I would change yeah yeah I would say I definitely um expected for the 20s to be great and I I mean I I think I had looked but I also kind of tried to think pretty realistically about like what the years I was in grad school would look like so I started grad school when I was 22 and now I'm 28 um and it, you know, it, I think it just dawned on me yesterday that like, oh my God, like I have spent all of my 20s in this program and broke, you know? And so I did have, like, I have friends that um, have been working since we graduated college. And yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, I would say that one thing is like, because I'm from California, a lot of my friends haven't, I think also haven't gotten to have like 
the crazy 20s experience that you see in movies and all of that because it's so expensive. And a lot of them are saving up to buy houses and things like that. Uh, but I think, you know, we we definitely were fed, uh, like, you know, pre-recession, <laughs> we were fed this idea that, you know, you could just live it up. And uh, you see a lot of people that do do that um, because they're fortunate enough to have parents that are, you know, in a financial position where they can allow them the space to just explore and figure themselves out and, you know, um, like you said, like you said, like I know a few people that have gone that you know spent their early twenties going backpacking or like yeah. teaching English places and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and it does seem like the dream. I did expect that. I, I, I haven't gotten to the point where like I, I don't necessarily regret grad school because I, I for the last three years I have traveled. Uh, at least like once a year out of the country. And so I think that that has been, has made the process more tolerable. But I wonder if I, I think that one thing I regret is maybe um, where I went to grad school because I think that there's so little to do in Texas, it feels like. Um, like I think, you know, I envy people who went to, NYU for grad school or like lived in like really sexy places where even if you are broke like there's a ton of stuff to do uh so I think that that you know is a factor as well um and I think I regret too like once I start when I was leaving when I was leaving undergrad my plan was to do like a cross sort of national research project so that I could um so I would do half my dissertation like in another country. I wanted to do a comparative uh, study between like the United States and Brazil. And I didn't push for that once I got to grad school because I realized that I would have to stay longer to do it. And I really didn't want to stay longer than the required five years. But I ended up staying longer than the required five years anyway. So I could have done that. Um, and there are like a few other people in the program that did do you know, cross national projects, and so I do kind of regret that. Like, I should have, I should have really pushed for that. That would have been amazing. Um, okay, and so next question that we're going to respond to is our most memorable experiences in our twenties. And I'm gonna need to think about that a little bit. I think I would say probably all the traveling I've done. I mean, well, one being in grad school, like that's you know that I, I very like the. The experiences of being, maybe I'll focus on the good experiences because the experiences of being in class or like taking comps, all that stuff, very memorable, but in a bad, in like a negative way. Um, so I think traveling, um, traveling with my fiance has been pretty memorable um, and probably like the most enjoyable experiences. Like if there were a way that I could travel for a living, that would be amazing. Like maybe I could do, be some kind of travel documentarian or something. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, yeah, so that was pretty memorable. I guess, like, a big thing also has been getting engaged, even though that also comes with, you know, uh, you know, me being in the position that I'm in, still being a student and being broke, com that comes with its own, like, anxieties. <laughs> but, yeah, that has been pretty memorable thus far. For me, the same thing, like, I mean, I got, you know, I had a, a serious relationship. I got married. 
I had a baby in my 20s. Um, so that was, and that's stuff that I hadn't envisioned happening in my 20s. I never thought that I'd be. I'd, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't think I would wait till I was in my 30s. I, I, I always Oh, you said you did it. envision. I didn't. It oh. Being in my 30s, I always yeah. envisioned it being in my 20s. Okay, yeah. So, you know, it working out that way, like towards the later end of my 20s, was, was kind of, it was pretty enjoyable for me and made my 20s pretty memorable. That was, it, it was pretty enjoyable. It really marked the later half of my 20s as like, you know, being able to just enjoy my wedding and enjoy the honeymoon and enjoy being pregnant and enjoy having a child so that my 30s is more like about, I, I want my 30s to be more about me and like my accomplishments, my mm. career accomplishments. Um, yeah, and so getting like, it sounds harsh to say getting it out of the way, but like doing that in my 20s just kind of sets the stage for my 30s to be more where I get to focus and say like, these are all the accomplishments that I was able to do. Um, and then my 20s was just like, because uh, in some aspects you feel like you're falling behind because you're, you've been in school for so long. Mm. So for me, it was kind of like in terms of my personal life, I didn't fall behind because I still did the things that my friends were doing. Um, in fact, actually, in some instances, I'm the first one of my friends to have gotten married and have a baby. Mm. So that's nice in terms of, you know, positive accomplishments or po the most memorable moments of my 20s and, you know, looking back at the pictures and being like, oh, you know, I got engaged when I was 25 and then got married like at 26, 27 and then got pregnant and at like 29, 28 and then had the baby at 29. Like, it's just kind of uh, a nice end to the 20s. So I, I feel like those were the most, the mo most memorable moments. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would you say your biggest... Um, achievement well do you think that those overlap I would say like just you know doing the PhD program because I know that like statistically not a lot of people do it not a lot of people you know go to grad school and not a lot of people finish grad school so it's a nice accomplishment it, it does suck that like so much of my 20s went to this one thing but now that I get closer and closer to it it's actually kind of young to say, like, I mean, especially when I tell a lot of people that, you know, I have a PhD by 30, mm -hmm. they're kind of like, wow, like, that's really young. And you lose sight of that because you've just been in school for so long and you're like, I'm freaking old and, and, and a student. But then you realize I have this really, this long-term investment now for the rest of my life. There's no going back to school at 33. There's no, like you know, changing careers later on. I'm pretty much, you know, been working on this path to just from now on be able to establish a career. So I think that that's like the proudest accomplishment is knowing that I was able to do something for almost 10, like a decade. And I have like the ability to be proud of the fact that less than 1% of the American population is doing this thing that I'm doing and to find it, to kind of feel good about that. So that's starting to feel more and more real, especially as I'm preparing, I'm doing job applications and I'm like envisioning myself as I write things for the applications, I have to write about like what I would teach and why I want to teach. And it kind of reminds me of like, oh, I'm going to be that much closer to actually doing these things 
And so the graduate school experience feels a lot less crummy knowing that <laughs> crummy. The, the payoff is actually, you know, a more flexible schedule. And yeah, summer's off. Yeah, summer's and winter. And that's what I would say would be my biggest accomplishment, you know, the accomplishments that I'm most proud of in my 20s. Yeah, um, I would say I thought I felt very um, I felt like moving out of state was a pretty big achievement for me, um, especially because I was really discouraged to do so. And so moving to a place where like I didn't know anybody and all of that um, and then taking on this like, you know, huge feat of grad school, I felt really I felt really good about and still do, you know, like I, as, as much as I'm like now trying to get back to California, I'm still like, I'm glad that I had this experience, you know, and I also, I moved here and found my, and uh, met my fiance. So that, you know, is awesome. And we have a, uh, you know, a pretty, like, you know, well-established life here and all of that. So I feel like, I feel really good about that. Um, I feel, you know, same as Z, like, excited to close this chapter of my life um or close yeah like you know move on to the next chapter I I don't know I think that once I finish school and maybe have some distance I'll feel more accomplished because right now finishing grad school doesn't feel like that big of an accomplishment Mm -hmm. for me um and I think that maybe it's because I Maybe I don't know if it's because I haven't loved the experience or like what it is, but it's just like the idea of having a PhD does not excite me the way that it did when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I do know that it is an achievement in the like, you know, according to the definition, and then I and I also know that most people view it in that way. I yeah, I ha- I don't feel like super accomplished yet. Um, and and that's not to I mean because it's like the, it, the getting it is hard so I don't know why I don't feel that way I'm gonna have to do some real deep soul searching <laughs> <laughs> as far as that's concerned and as far as like lessons learned I think that you know one of the biggest lessons is that like you don't have it all figured out and you don't have to have it all figured out you know because I 10 years ago being 28 just sounded so old to me like, I just thought that, you know, by 28, folks had just lived so much life. <laughs> they just knew so much. They should have accomplished all of these things. You know, you grow up thinking, oh, okay, by 25, I'm going to be married. By 30, I want to have all my kids so that, you know, I can be a young parent and whatever, whatever. But that's that timeline is so unrealistic, and I don't know where we get it from. But I think that you know yeah like it's pretty cliche because i think most people that's the that's the biggest lesson that i think most people take away from the 20s is like you you don't need to have it all figured out you've got time and and all of those things uh and i think also the the perception i think i've also learned that, that you know this perception that your 20s should be spent i i do think it should be spent figuring it out but I also think that there's this misconception that you got to be turning up all through your 20s and partying and just living it up. Um, and granted, like, I did do some of that, like, sparingly, right? But I definitely didn't do as as, as much of that as, like, my friends and other people um, 
which, you know, it's not, like, not to take anything away from their experience, not that that, like, lessens it or cheapens it or whatever, but your 20s don't have to be that. Like Zelma was saying, like, you, I've heard that 30s are lit. Yeah. I've also heard that about 40s, too. So, you know, there's there's time to do a lot of those things. You don't have to sacrifice your 20s to partying or to um, going out and trying, you know, too much to be, like, in the, like you know, in the mix and all of that. Um, what about you, Z? What, what would you say the biggest lesson is that you learned? I think I would say it's, like, to stop looking ahead. I mm. think that in my 20s I was always, like, you know, it started with being like, oh, once I turn 21, it's going to be awesome. Then I turned 21, and I was like, oh, you know, once I graduate college, it's going to be awesome. Then it was like, you know, once I get engaged, and then once I have married, mm. and then once I'm, you know, like 28, it's going to be great. Or I just kept, like, looking ahead, and you don't really have a chance to enjoy the present. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like that, that kind of ended up putting me in a situation where – I I was just waiting for time to happen, waiting for life to happen and not actually living it. So if I could go back to myself when I was 21, I would just be like, just calm down. Like, you have the rest of your life to turn old, and every year you should just enjoy it and stop trying to think you're going to be happier once this happens, once this happens, because the truth is you're never going to be happier when something happens. Because if that's what you depend on for your happiness, then you're just never really going to be happy. It's just going to be super temporary. Wait, so, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the biggest thing, lesson I've learned in my 20s. Yeah, and then uh, lastly, so Z kind of touched on this a bit for herself, but, like, in terms of expectations of the 30s, um, I think I, as much as, so Zelma just talked about, like, you know, that uh, destination, ex- uh, what do they call it, destination addiction thing, where it's like, oh, once I get to this destination, oh, I'll yeah. be better. This destination will be better. But <laughs> I am thinking that with, you know, granted I'll be, like, in a new career and we'll have to grind out for that. I feel like not being in grad school will feel like such a burden is lifted that I just feel like I'll feel lighter in my 30s. I'm sure I'll be focused on something else and, you know, building a family and all of this stuff, but I'm looking forward to the newness of that experience. Like, I feel like grad school has kind of gotten old (laughs) and I'm tired. Um, And so I'm looking forward to being established. And, you know, one thing is that because I just went, like, straight through school, I've never had money or, like, income. And I am looking forward to that so much. Like, I feel like it's going to be, I don't know, I might be a whole different person. (laughs) Like, I don't even know who I am. Like, I don't even feel like I'm fully, you know, uh, I don't I don't think I've come come into my full form yet because I've just been broke my whole life. But I'm looking forward to having income hopefully a solid income. So if you know anybody that's looking to hire a sociology PhD, tell them hit me up as long as they're paying seven figures at the least. I'm kidding. But yeah, I, I'm i expecting for my 30s to be the, to like I'm expecting that we'll have settled into married life, that we'll hopefully be working on like a second kid um, and that I will have solid income and I'm hoping that in mid-30s, I'll kind of move away from 
whatever I'm already doing and moving into a career as like a professional writer, that would be my like number one goal is that by 40, I will have settled into a writing career um, and just be like really in my groove. Like I feel like that's what 30 is going to be or 30s will be being in my groove. Um, yeah. Or like what are the kids saying? In my bag. Yeah. In my bag. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up our What's Being Slept On segment. Um, for all y'all listening, hopefully you have been enjoying us for these last two seasons. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Um, and we will catch y'all back here for season three in a bit. We're not really sure how long our break will be. Um, and mostly the break is so that we can focus on... Um, well, one, finishing our dissertations, doing applications for things. Like, we also did a podcast about um, what it takes to run a podcast, and or we did an episode about what it takes to run a podcast, and it takes a lot more than what you would expect. So, low-key, doing the podcast takes a full day um, out of your week. And that may not sound like a lot, but when you are expected to be producing constantly, and then when you all when you have a baby, like it just it, it you know it takes a lot. And we love y'all, we love the support, um, but it, it's it's necessary. These seasons are necessary. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much for listening. Um, look out for like turn your push notifications on for when we um, come back with season three. Bye.